welcome to the Keep Running podcast with me, Rachel Stringer. And me, Amana Rai. We are so pleased to have you along with us for the ride for the next 40 or so minutes. Each week, we'll bring you a guest we hope will inspire you, motivate you and make you fall in love or further fall in love with running. Because we all share one simple common goal on here. We all love to run. So whether you're new to running, have a running related question or just want to say hello, we want to hear from you. So drop us a DM or write us a comment in the review section of whatever podcast app you listen on. And whilst you're there, give us a subscribe too. That way you'll never miss one of our inspiring guests again. Matt Marchant, or better known on Instagram as Matt Runs, is today's guest on the Keep Running podcast. Matt is a marathon runner who has openly shared his journey of going through and coming out the other side of contracting testicular cancer. Since the awful C word came into Matt's life, he's completed five marathons and been the face of not one, but two major marathons, London and the New York City Marathon. He now holds an impressive 3.19 marathon PB, but we're guessing he's not done on that time just yet. So welcome, Matt, to the Keep Running podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, So where have you been, Matt? Because you've been very quiet on social media the last month. So I'm currently injured. Um, I've got shin splints, and so I've not been running much, and I feel like I don't really have much to add into the conversation on running on social networks at the moment. So I'm just kind of sitting back. I tweet a lot, but kind of Instagram, I can't just re keep using the same old photos of me because I find that a little bit dull, but yeah, (laughs) I'm just a little bit injured. So yeah. But that's actually like um, what I was reading from the Welsh runner who we had on last week. He was saying he used to be the same. As soon as he got injured, he'd go silent on social media, but then realize actually other people get injured all the time. And he should yep. talk about his his journey and what he's going through. Um, so I'm going to actually put that out to you and say, maybe talk about it a little bit. I'm the worst for that. I'm currently injured and I hardly post as well. So we both need to listen to the Welsh runner yeah. and talk about our injuries because other people may be going through the same thing right now. We always like um, our guests to start with five questions. Kind of quick fire. So I'm going to go yep. into the first one. Matt, why do you run? Um, I run because I like to keep active. I've got a job which is kind of an office-based job, so I'm sat down pretty much all day and I'm commuting into work. So um, a lot of sitting down, so it's good to get outside. I think it's also good for my mental health as well. It kind of clears my head a little bit when you have a good run, you have quite an intense se- intense session, so you can kind of – think it helps helps mentally. And I enjoy pushing myself as well. I think it's good to have kind of these goals in life which are separate from, say, work, and so you can kind of aim towards something else. And – I just find it quite fun, really. Definitely. I love the fun bit as well. So, Matt, what is your greatest running achievement? Um, my greatest running achievement is probably, um, it's actually a race I won. So it's one of those races where everything came together. It was really nice. It was a wonderful summer's day. Uh, I had my best plimsolls on. This was around 1996. <laughs> and um, it was the long distance run in year five, I think. And so I won. And that was the last time I ran up until I was probably about 25. <laughs> I love that. Year five, 1996, winning. Was it a school sports day race? It was a sports day, yeah. I think I love picked it a little it. bit too early. But... 
Your running career peaked in year five. I love it. (laughs) Okay, so next question. Um, The best piece of advice you've been given during your running career to date? I think the best piece of advice I've been given is probably get fitted shoes because the amount of people I see online saying, should I buy these shoes? And I'm like, I can't can't answer that question for you because I think, I think, I can't remember who said it, but they said running shoes are a bit like glasses. You know, you wouldn't tell someone to wear a certain pair of glasses. So... It's kind of like you need to get the right shoes for you. So I found that really good advice. And who inspires you? I'm not. Insp- I don't think there's one person that inspires me. I think it's. I think different people inspire me at different times for different things. A lot of people on social media I find very inspiring, following people's journeys, seeing what they've gone through. You know, I, uh, due to the nature of kind of having cancer, I, I attract other people that have been in a similar situation who have also been through cancer, had chemotherapy. So I find their stories very inspiring. Yeah, I definitely agree with that for sure. Social media is a, is a great place, isn't it, um, to be inspired and to inspire others. Um, and finally, Matt, we'd like a quote from you which never fails to brighten up your day or which you just love. So when I'm running, uh, the quote, quote I really like is, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. And that's by a guy called Fred DeVito. I had no idea who he was until I had to Google him earlier when you asked me this question. So <laughs> that's... Uh, that's that guy. I'm not quite, quite sure what he does, but I find that as a good kind of mantra if you're finding a, a, a run or a race pretty tough. You know, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. So it's always good to have that in the kind of back of your mind. Yeah, I love that one. And actually, when I'm uh, doing a hard session or a hard run, I always think as it gets to the end of it, I always think this is the bit that makes a difference. So I think, yeah, we're pretty aligned yeah. there. So Matt, let's start at the beginning. Where did running start for you? Well, apart from the race I won in year five, I kind of didn't run until <laughs> around 2012 when I was I was living in Hackneywick in a warehouse conversion. And um, one, of my, one day my housemates just went out running and it was, I think it was probably after Christmas. It was, I remember it being very dark and very, I'm not sure if it was snowing, but it was just not a very nice evening. We went out for a run together, ran a couple of miles and it just felt good. And then I just started kind of, started going out on my own and it's all kind of just snowballed from there really. I love Hackneywick as well. Maybe did you finish at the White Building for a beer or two? Oh, I've definitely been down there for a few drinks, yeah. <laughs> I love it down there. Well, I, it kind of has changed a lot now that BT Sport, et cetera, is there. But back oh, in the course, day, yeah. it used to be a, a pretty quirky place with the little hot tubs on the uh, the canal and the little breakfast eateries down there. I did enjoy a, a run down the canals at Hackneywick. Um, yeah, it used, used to be really cool down there. But it's, it's very, I've went down there a few years ago and it's very... Um, Overdeveloped, well, I say overdeveloped, it's very developed now. There's it's a lot London, of new isn't buildings. it? Yeah. <laughs> um, right then, Matt. So you've been clear of cancer since 2015 now. Um, can you just, I mean, tell us the story and for those people who aren't aware of your journey, how you found out that you'd, you know, got this awful disease that, you know, we can't obviously relate to um, and yeah. how your journey unfolded. It was at the end of 2013. I found a lump on my testicle and I went to went to see my GP and he um, had a feel of it and said, you know, it feels like a cyst. I wouldn't really worry about it, to be honest. And then he said, I'll send you for a scan anyway. And then he referred me to the hospital, but I never got my referral letter. Um, I just kind of left it really because he wasn't too concerned. And um, so I thought nothing of it. And then... My girlfriend at the time, she saw it and she said, actually, I think this is growing. You should probably go and, uh, go and have it looked again. So I went back to see the GP and showed him and 
I'm not sure if he ever freaked a GP out, but it's very disconcerting because when he looked at it, he had a bit of a panic and sent me immediately to the Royal London for a scan. Um, so I headed down to the Royal London, um, had a bit of a teary journey down there. And uh, I got there and they basically said, well, we can't scan you today. You need to book an appointment for tomorrow, which in hindsight was really good because it allowed my parents to come up and they, they were with me the next day. So I think it was a Saturday as well. So the next Saturday I went to back to the Royal London and I had an ultrasound scan. And then I also freaked out the guy who was scanning me then. So he went and got another doctor. She was very uh, good and very thorough. She kind of, this was the most terrifying bit of probably the start of it because they started scanning other parts of my body to see if it had spread. Unfortunately, they couldn't find anything else. So that was nice. And so they just sent me for a, Another CT scan, which came back okay. So then a few weeks later, I had a, an operation called an orgadectomy, which is where they remove your testicle. And they, had, they did the operation, said everything came out all right. Um, it looked like we've got everything. And we just keep an eye on you. So I was having uh, blood tests every two weeks. And they check for your tumor markers. And there's these, I think they're, I'm not sure if they're hormones or chemicals, but they're called AFP and HCG. And I think HCG is one you get when you're pregnant. So there can be um, times where if you do have testicular cancer and you can pee on a pregnancy test and it will come back as you're pregnant. So that, that's, kind of, that's kind of in the body. Um, so spent the summer kind of having my blood test done and it, my AFP kind of stayed at a weird base level where they were not concerned about it, but they were like, if you get on a bus, some people will have a raised AFP and some people won't. It's just, you know, that might be your normal. But anyway, um, then September came around and my AFP tumor marker went up. And so they were said, okay, you need to kind of get your, get your life in order. In a couple of weeks, we're going to give you chemotherapy. So that September, I started three rounds of BEP chemo. That stands for bleomycin, etoposide, and cisplatin, which is platinum. So that's what the BEP stands for. And so I started on that. I had three rounds and um, chemo went well. My tumor markers came down, but I think I had another CT scan, which showed one of my lymph nodes was kind of like millimeters too bigger than it should have be and kind of what they wanted to do is uh basically remove it so in the march of 2015 um i was sent for the, to adam brooks in cambridge for this operation called an rplnd which is a, a retroperitoneal to lymph node dissection which is um my first operation my oncologist described as a three out of ten and he said this was going to be a seven out of ten so it's quite a major operation unfortunately the lymph nodes um, the way it works is they're kind of towards uh, towards your back, around your spine. And so to get to them, they have to go in through the front. So the operation kind of means they have to remove most of your intestines and stuff, get them out of the way to get to them. So it's kind of like a big surgery. I was in Adam Brooks for a week. And so that was a pretty low point. And uh, after that, I kind of got the all clear from that. So they removed everything, said everything's good. I presume they tested it and gave me the all clear. I mean, what a story. You talk so like calmly about it now and, and openly, which, you know, thank you so much for sharing it. But I guess at the time or, you know, immediately during your chemo or your, your two operations or after it, how has, you know, your cancer changed your outlook on life? Um, I think yes and no. I think I was fairly positive throughout it. I was kind of fairly optimistic that I was going to get through it and come out the other side. I did have moments where I had kind of like dark bits where I thought I was probably going to die. But apart from that, I um, mentally, I think 
you build up a resilience to it and you kind of just i think it does make you mentally stronger because it gives you a new baseline of kind of what your body can handle and so you kind of think well you know if i can if my body can go through that then you know i can run these last few miles or whatever if you want to relate it back to running i can run these last few miles of this marathon no problem so yeah it kind of does give you a mental strength and do you think that sometimes now when you're running marathons because obviously you've run five since you've been given the all clear do you think I mean, I got through that in my life. Of course, I can get to the finish line of this marathon. I do, yeah, sometimes. And then it's, it's kind of like a bit of a different pain, really. So, because that's a very immediate kind of uh, running is a very immediate kind of like pain you're suffering. You're like, oh, you know, will I be able to get through this? And cancer is more of a kind of long-term mental game. But I think, yeah, I think kind of definitely in the build-up to a, a run, you think, you know, if you've got, you, you think, I've got to run 26 miles. How am I going to do that? And you think, actually, you know, my body can handle quite a lot and it's all going to be all right, you know. That's very inspiring. And like Rachel said, you do just talk very calmly about it. So I feel like, yes, you must be very mentally strong now. Um, we read that during your chemo, you actually wanted to go for a run. Is that something that you managed to do? And are you even allowed or does it depend? Is it individual to each patient? I actually have no idea. <laughs> it is an individual to each patient because the kind of chemo affects people in a different way. I, I wanted to run, I, uh, but I thought I'd give it the first round to see how I go. And then I spoke to the chemo nurse at, at Bart's and she said, she kind of laughed at me. She said, do you want to go for a run? I was like, yeah. She's like, yeah, you can go for a run. And then I had my second round of chemo. And when that started, that's kind of when I started losing my hair. I just was kind of physically drained. So I couldn't really, uh, you know, some days I couldn't even really muster up the energy to have a shower so it was kind of like that idea really went out the window but i do know i follow a lot of people who have run through their key moments that's i find that very kind of inspiring because you know having been through it you kind of like wow that person is actually pushing themselves quite far and so yeah it's uh it's inspiring to see when people do run through their chemo but i wasn't able to do it no, I guess it's completely individual, isn't it? Because obviously people yeah. go through different cycles. Like you said, you have three ranging over three months and some are obviously longer in duration, more intense than others. Yeah. So I'm I'm sure, you know, the nurses, if anyone's kind of going through this at the time, um, you know, definitely consult your doctor or your nurse and they'll recommend what's right for you. Um, yeah. But I guess then, Matt, when you were coming, you know, back, was it? surely not as easy as just going out for a run um surely your muscles muscles had depleted and you know you were, you were pretty weak what was your journey building back up to being able to to run even for say like 20 minutes so yeah my body was kind of completely different when i started back running so i kind of had to start again but it's quite, it was quite tricky because you have this kind of knowledge of pre-cancer you knew what your body could do and then you're in this new place where you're like well, I used to be able to run kind of like a sub 90 half marathon, but now, you know, I'm struggling to get these eight minute miles out. So it's kind of, my body was completely different and I had been through one minor, one major and three rounds of chemo. So it was basically starting again. And it's kind of, I sometimes forget that as well because my body is kind of, I, I say comparison is a feat of joy, but I do sometimes compare myself online to other people and I'm like seeing these people achieving things. And I have to think, actually, no, my body is... um is kind of a little bit different to everyone else's because I have had these kind of, I have had all my kind of core muscles cut through at some point and my, uh, I think my hip flex has been cut through at some point as well. So it's kind of like, um, it's, uh, you know, my body. Very different I, to most runners. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I try I try not to let that kind of like I try not to mention that too much because I like to I'd like to compare myself on a level playing field. But sometimes I feel like perhaps these injuries because it is on the I pick up injuries mostly on my right side, which is the side I had operations on. So it's, I think probably it might be related. But, yeah, you know. it sounds like sometimes you just have to be kind to yourself, Matt. <laughs> yeah. um, so how important do you think it is to talk about um, men's health? And what advice would you have for any men that are listening to help avoid what you went through? So I, th- I think it's, um, it's really important that men talk about their, um, their health, mental and physical health, because, you know, sometimes you can shy away from it or just think, oh, no, that'll sort itself out or I'll leave that or I'll go a different day and you put everything off. So my advice would be kind of like, if you check yourself regularly, um, this is for men and women, obviously, check yourself mm. regularly and become familiar with your body. And as soon as you notice anything change, you, you kind of, you must go and see someone about it because um, the sooner you get these things sorted out and the sooner you have someone have a look at it, um, you know, that's going to improve your chances of, if you do have anything, it's going to improve your chances of survival greatly. And you should never be kind of embarrassed about it. You know, the amount of times I've had to go into a hospital and kind of take my trousers off, you kind of, I get, I get a bit used to it, but <laughs> kind of, it's not, it's not that bad. I always think the doctors don't even care. They see it all no, the time. You're just another no, patient exactly. to them. So yeah, I think that's very good advice. We should all check ourselves regularly. And if there is anything concerning, go to our doctors. Um, when you were back then, Matt, when you kind of, you know, felt strong enough and had put cancer to bed let's just say um what did it feel like to be back running and actually like your body was back to being yours it was it was really good to be honest to be back running um especially just being back uh not even like racing just being back down kind of i was i was still at hackney wick at the time so i was running around running around victoria park a lot so it's just nice to be kind of pushing your body a little bit nice to be kind of out there but nice to be physically able to do it because it's kind of a running is such a luxury that we all take a bit for granted um, because we all take our physical health for granted. And as soon as you have that taken away from you, it kind of puts it back into perspective. And um, either, either on my first run back, I think it was my first run back, or it could have been one of my first runs back, I was listening to music and the uh, Bastille song, Pompeii, came on. And it's, uh, yeah, the, the, the lyrics in it, are, but if you close your eyes, does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? And you're kind of like, that's, that was kind of, felt that a bit poignant, you know? Um, so I felt like, running is this kind of great um and it's this kind of constant in life so whatever kind of going on especially at the moment you know there's a lot of stuff bad stuff going on in the world and running is this kind of constant where you can kind of just keep returning to it whatever's going on in your life you kind of once you get out there and once you're out kind of out running all that kind of melts away and you're just kind of you, you you're just running and that's it it's kind of it's nice to be back in that place so it was it was great to return to running Definitely. And I think I found the same as well. I've been running for years as is Rach. And I feel like no matter what's going on in my life, I've always been lucky enough to be able to go out and run. And that's always been like a good stress relief or it's been when something really good happens, I go for a run and I'm super happy. So I think running is a really good constant, especially at the moment with everything that's going on. Um, So Matt, then in 2018, you ran the London Marathon for Macmillan Cancer Support. What did it mean to you to run for a charity so close to your heart? So um, I had a lot of support from Macmillan um, when I was going through uh, through my kind of cancer journey. I was very lucky to be introduced to a Macmillan nurse called Wendy, who um, who was brilliant. She would kind of sit in all your sit in all your 
appointments and she would kind of like you go into an appointment your oncologist would say this is this and then you're kind of out there and you're like oh what what just happened and she would just sit down kind of go through everything what everything really meant and um she was kind of like she would help kind of navigate the whole journey really so to be able to give back to Macmillan I was kind of like yeah I want I enjoy running I've never done a marathon so I now have this charity who have helped me help my family and help my partner at the time they um they had all got a got help from her so I thought you know what I can help out other people by raising money for them and then hopefully they'll get the support that I got as well I saw an amazing clip from that marathon where I think it must be near near the, near the end of the race and you're high-fiving three of the royals <laughs> yeah that, that, that was um that was that was really surreal I kind of ran around the corner and then I was like it was a bit like running through Madame Tussauds. I was like, hang on, those, that's a royal family there. So I kind of I recognize them. <laughs> yeah, and I just kind of like had to go for it and high-five them. It was kind of like Kate, William and Harry. So I just kind of high-fived them all and then ran off. Yeah, it was a very – but luckily, I think Sky had a camera there and they caught it on camera and it was on TV. So that was, uh, that was quite entertaining to see you back afterwards. Uh, I love that clip. It makes me smile when I saw that. <laughs> um. But Matt, what was your first race back? Was it the 2018 London Marathon or did you have a race before that and kind of how soon after your treatment had finished did you feel like you were ready to run again or race again? So I think my first race back was the it was the 2016 Eastbourne Half Marathon, which was my first ever race. So I thought it would be nice to go back there. It would have been a year since I had my operation. It was the first race I'd ever done. So and my family were from Eastbourne, so I thought it'd be nice to kind of go back and run that. And it was, I found it very tough. I, think I ran in 1.45, but it was um, the last kind of like half of the race was a bit of a slog for me. But so that was my first race back. And then I went and did the Great North Run as well at that, that year as well. What did um, crossing the finish line in Eastbourne like mean to you? That was just, I think it's quite special. My family were there. I'm... I think I was a little bit disappointed with my time because naturally I'm competitive against myself, but it's kind of... Such um, an athlete. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of... You Sometimes I forget that, you know, I shouldn't really... I can't compare the two really, but um, it was it was nice to be able to go back and run in Eastbourne and sit, have, my, have my family there who had been through who had been through the kind of journey with me so they could see kind of like I was physically fit again and back running and doing a half marathon. So that was nice. It must have been very special for your family as well. Um, I yeah. can't imagine what it must have been like for them seeing you fit and healthy and running across that finish line. Amazing. Um, so then, Matt, you then went back to London in 2019, where you were actually the face of the London Marathon. Yeah, that was very that was a very surreal kind of couple of months. That was that was um, yeah, that was it was kind of amazing but very bizarre. Yeah, so you were the you were one of the faces of the official sponsor, which was New Balance at the time. So, what was it like walking around London, seeing your face everywhere? Because it was literally everywhere, and I remember seeing your face and walking into the expo, and the expo was honestly covered with your face, not just like life size, but absolutely huge. So, what was that like? Oh, it was completely mad. I I, I was um. I was on my way to work one morning and I got a text message. Oh, sorry, I got a message on Instagram from another runner. He was like, I've just walked through London Bridge and I've uh, seen a massive massive poster of you. And I, I was getting off at London Bridge anyway and I just kind of walked past it. And it was, a, it was a billboard I'd walked past many times. And now it was so weird because I was then on it. 
And that was kind of at the start of the week before the London Marathon. And then I was just kind of getting inundated with pictures of from my friends and from people on social media with pictures next to my face. And it was just very, um, it was very weird. It was I, great for my ego, but very strange. <laughs> it was so funny seeing it. Have you got that picture anywhere, like in your house? Come on, you've got to have it framed somewhere. One of your pictures anyway, one of your modelling shoots. No, Rach, the photos are too big. <laughs> no, but surely New Balance gave him a scaled down version for his home. I think I've got a scale. I got at the end of it, New Balance gave a kind of a thank you card um, for, because there was five of us in the campaign. It wasn't just me. Um, they sent us all kind of like thank you cards and I've got a, a, a picture of that. So yeah, that was nice. Is it up? Is it on your wall? I think it's in a drawer somewhere. Oh, <laughs> come on, get it out there. And then you went to New York, something that makes me super jealous about. Uh, for obviously New Balance again, for the marathon. I mean, describe what that marathon is like for those of us who haven't run it like me. Amana has, obviously you have, and so many other people, but I have that firmly on my bucket list. So yeah, New York marathon is, is, pretty, cra- is pretty crazy. It's kind of like London marathon. I don't know if you've run London marathon, but yes, London I have. marathon, but like, like the next level kind of, it's, it's bizarre. You start from like beginning to end. It's even the expo, everything's just much bigger. Um, and you kind of get to the start and they play the national anthem and then they kind of have, I think that's someone parachute in and they're kind of, and you start at the bottom of a bridge. And as you run over the bridge, it was like, right, it was one that was kind of like running a film because you can see Manhattan Island on your left-hand side. But then the NYPD flew a helicopter alongside all the runners. And I was just like, this is the most weirdest moment of my life, kind of running along this bridge in New York, doing a marathon. And the NYPD are just kind of like waving to everyone from this helicopter. It was very surreal. And then you run down into kind of um, you run down into Brooklyn, and it's so well supported, and there's kind of like bands every kind of quarter of a mile or something like that. And so there's a lot of music, a lot of crowd support, very enthusiastic, classic Americans. So what was it like finishing New York Marathon? So at the end of London Marathon, uh, I picked up shin splints. This is where I got my original injury from. So I, I got shin splints at the end of London Marathon, and it was kind of like. My training for New York wasn't great. Um, I gave it my best go, but my legs just were kind of like, I was still getting these reoccurring shin splints. And so I didn't run for kind of six weeks before the marathon. Um, So the wheels for me fell off at mile 11, which was far, far earlier than I was expecting. So You're still in Brooklyn at mile 11, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was, yeah. And so I kind of kept them, kept kept going until about mile 17 just off the Queensborough bridge and then I um I kind of had to have like a very there was a kind of like I had to walk and kind of half run half walk the rest of it so um the kind of support from the crowd got me through that really because it was mad um they're all so supportive and all kind of very encouraging so as you kind of come in towards Central Park and I was slightly annoyed because the path kind of narrows because the crowds are so big, they kind of in, encroach on the course. And I was found that a little bit irritating, but, you know, just because just there's so many people. And so everyone's down there cheering. And then as you kind of run into the end of it, it's kind of just amazing, really. And I guess you were actually out in New York with New Balance. So what was it like to be running the New York Marathon, but you were actually running it for a major brand? That It must be surreal. Yeah, was I was out there with New Balance and Sports Shoes, so it was kind of like this joint thing. So it was very, it was, um, it was pretty amazing because I got to 
got to stay in a hotel with New Balance, which was um, was pretty cool. And so going down the expo, they had I did some social media bits for sports shoes. So I had a kind of cameraman with me, and we were kind of like f- filming stuff. So that was um, you celeb. It was very strange, but it was kind of yeah, it was it was amazing. And the expo is just so big and so busy as well. Yeah, I thought London was London Expo was crazy, but New York Expo is a whole nother level. Literally insane. They just sell kind of like so much merch down there and every time someone goes through the till they're all cheering and it's all kind of it is as you would expect from America, you know. <laughs> that is so true. I forgot about that. That is true. <laughs> What's the um next marathon then on your bucket list now that you've done two majors? So my next marathon was actually supposed to be London Marathon again this year. Um, but alas, that's been postponed. I'm not too um, worried about doing the marathon majors. Mm-hmm. I think a lot, of pe- a lot of people are. And, you know, it's good to have those goals. And I'm, I'm not going to dismiss anyone for having those goals. But for me, I, I, I think running the marathon majors is such a kind of expensive thing to do, especially traveling all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to think, you know, I like to run smaller races like, well, I say I like to. I would ideally like to run smaller races. I've done Beachy Head Marathon, which I found amazing because that was quite nice just being across the down. So races like that, I think anywhere, you know, I'm happy to run anywhere, basically. Just happy to be running. And I think it's interesting what you say about the marathon majors because it's something that I toy with. So I sometimes really, really want to get my six stars. And then sometimes I think, actually, is it a bit elitist in the fact that you do have to travel to america three times you have to travel across to berlin you have to travel to tokyo and actually that is an expensive task so i do totally understand where you're coming from and i do go back and forth between the two but at the moment i want my stars but who knows it might change next week um so matt let's talk about your injury that you touched on earlier so we know that you recently have suffered with shin splints um you know, injuries, that's the one thing that all runners dread. But what happened and how have you been dealing with that? So I think it was basically a bit of overtraining uh, for for London last year. I just kind of pushed myself a little bit too much. Um, well, you were the face of London, so <laughs> we can forgive yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, I, I mainly, with those kind of things, though, I mainly put the pressure that comes from myself. Not It's never from a, a, a brand to kind of do well, but you kind of like think, I want to do this well for myself. and so. I kind of pushed myself a bit in training then and then picked up picked up shin splints and then it's kind of been alternating between my right and left leg, which is the most frustrating thing because once I think I've got it cleared up in one, it will kind of come back in another. And I'm, I kind of, that is very infuriating. So it's, I've, it's been on and off for about a year and it's kind of just been a little bit frustrating. But as we're in lockdown at the moment, no one's racing. I'm not, I'm kind of resting it probably I'm being more cautious of my resting now so I can just rest it for as long as I want because there's no pressure to be training or racing at the moment. So I'm just kind of trying to get rid of it for good, really. We had a uh, similar com- conversation with Amrit, who does have his six stars on um, our first episode. He was um, struggling with an injury as well. And actually, I think if anyone's going to be injured now is the t- perfect time to fully recover and fully get any injuries or weaknesses under control, given that there's no racing and who knows when we'll be racing again. So hopefully this time you'll manage to get your shin splints under control and have a good recovery. We have our fingers crossed for you. I guess it's quite difficult though, because obviously I've got injured during lockdown and 
obviously you know what your diagnosis is, Matt. But whereas like me, I've done something to my toe. Sounds minor, but it's been <laughs> blown up now for about three and a half weeks. Um, and it's swollen. And obviously I've had FaceTime physio sessions, but a physio yep. session on FaceTime doesn't really work that well because they can't manipulate it or actually see it in its kind of entirety to see what's going on so i've been given multiple diagnoses and nothing seemed to work so um i'm actually having problems with physios during lockdown and i'm not really getting any better and it's going to be four weeks this week so yeah i'm just in limbo over here it must be frustrating yeah it must be frustrating because you're kind of it is one of those things you need to see someone face to face and they need to kind of you can do a lot over zoom or skype or whatever but you can't really have it worked on and you can't really mm. see everything so it's kind of must be very frustrating yeah i'm kind of lucky in respect that i know what's going on yeah so for I'm sure. just kind of wrecking it. i guess at least we've got the extra time to finally do our physio exercises which i don't know if you're like me but sometimes i do slack with doing them so <laughs> that's the only saving grace so Matt, last week we had the Welsh runner on the podcast and we were speaking to him about his favourite sessions and it's something that actually we seem to have spoken to quite a few of our guests about so we thought we'd ask you. So Matt last week said his favourite session was alternating 1K so it depends on what you're training for whether it's a 5K, 10K, marathon, half marathon and you play with the pace basically. So for example you might do 1K at a 5K pace and then the next K at a 10K pace and go through the session doing six to eight of those. Um, so what is your favourite session? When it gets to kind of like technical bits of running and like sessions and stuff like that, a lot of the time I'm making stuff up as I'm going along, which probably might be a reason why I'm injured. But um, I, I'm really into, I love a hill sprint. So they're horrible at the time, but they're very satisfying to do. And you can kind of feel yourself getting stronger as you do them. And, you know, I kind of like a session where you're, where you're really pushing yourself and it kind of, you can feel yourself kind of reaching your limit and then you kind of next time you can push that a little bit more a little bit more and you're gonna kind of they're a little bit uh make you feel a little bit sick which is which isn't good but it also kind of feels nice afterwards you know we like that pain we like it so Matt Mm. actually one thing I don't know about you is do you have a coach or do you coach yourself so I coach myself which is probably yeah once again why I um do find myself quite injured quite often so I just I kind of Google things. I look at things online. I, sh- I probably should have a coach and then kind of get a vague idea of what I'm supposed to be doing. And then I'm like, yeah, I could do that session and just kind of ad hoc it. I'm laughing so much because I have Rachel on video chat with me and she's laughing and pointing at herself because she does exactly what you do. And I'm the total opposite with my coach who sets my weekly schedule and I stick to it being all good. <laughs> I feel like I, I probably would benefit from having a coach. No, Matt, it's fine. Just go, go no. rogue like me. <laughs> <laughs> I did listen to Amrit's podcast actually and uh, it was a good episode. Everyone should go back and listen to it. It's very inspiring. But, you know, when he's talking about the sessions he does and kind of like the improvements he's made. So it was kind of listening to that. You kind of think, well, maybe actually I should get someone else in. But there's also a kind of sense of achievement when you do it yourself, you know. You know I, I find like... It's, uh, one thing I like about running is it's all about experimenting, really, whether that be with nutrition or with sessions. You kind of trying things out and seeing what's good for you, and then learning learning about yourself along the along the way. And actually, we also had Katie on the podcast, um, 
Pace and Porridges, known as on Instagram, and she actually self-coaches herself and has run some fantastic time. So um, for me personally, a coach works, but I can totally understand how for like you two and Katie not having a coach works. And she spoke a lot about how she might, like her body might feel like an easy run one day and she can go for an easy run. Whereas if it's on a plan that she's got a session that day, that would really throw her. So it's it's an interesting conversation and debate whether to have a coach or not, I think. And I think it does depend on the person. I guess it also depends on how serious you are, doesn't it, Matt? Like, you know, unlike you, I'm a freelance as well. So I kind of probably, similar to you, get super, super busy, can't potentially run that yep. much and then have weeks when I'm not working as much and running is kind of something that I will do a lot more of and it you know comes much easier in those weeks um but there's so many training plans online and I've been running now close to about 15 years so I kind of have built up quite a lot of knowledge and some people just love to run for fun so preference yeah. I mean it's, it's, all, it's all kind of personal really isn't it kind of whatever you're into and some people uh need a coach and need that guidance and need that kind of structure and some people kind of can just go with the flow really that's me structure not going with the flow (laughs) (laughs) i'm all about the flow um but matt thank you so much for chatting to us today and and sharing your story you know i hope that a lot of people will kind of really take something from it and there's so many people that have experienced what you have or know somebody who's been through some terrible times and you know, just a little bit of advice from you or, or hearing your story, I'm sure will, will help a lot of people. And um, good luck with all these little marathons that you want to do. I'm excited because I don't actually Thank know you. about many little marathons. Um, the Beachy Head one, which spoke about Eastbourne, no idea they even existed. So um, maybe I'll be yeah. inspired to take on some lesser marathons because I guess, again, for my sins, I'm a bit of a marathon major chaser. And would potentially like to get all six, even though I've only done London a couple of times. Um, it's exciting to watch your journey and how you've gone through all that. So thank you so much for sharing it with us. Oh no, thank you. And thank you for having me on. I hope if there is anyone out there listening who is kind of like, I'm an hour about going to a doctor, definitely go to a doctor and kind of listens to this. And it kind of this might be the catalyst they need to go out. And anyone that's been through it, you know, hopefully reassured that it's not inspired or reassured that it's not kind of like a death sentence you know it's there is life after cancer and you know you can be get back to a normal life afterwards definitely and thank you matt i just want to say thank you i hope that this podcast raises awareness men's health and women's health as well and i think it's super inspiring to see all that you've achieved post recovery and i hope that inspires many more runners to achieve and continue to achieve so thank you no thank you for having me on So it was great to have Matt on the podcast this week. I found it really inspiring to hear all that he's been through, all that he's overcome and all that he's now achieving in running. I think it's really inspiring and I hope that it helped raise awareness to both men and women to make sure that they check themselves and if there is anything that they're not sure about to make sure they do go and get tested. So Rachel, something interesting I think is that we ne- we ask our guests five questions every week, but we have never answered one of those questions ourselves. So this week, Rachel, to wrap up this week's podcast, I want to know, why do you run? I was going to say, I don't, I, we don't like sharing. We're a bit shy, aren't we? Which is a complete lie. No, okay, I'm going to answer this question. Why do I 
run when you put on the spot is actually quite difficult to answer um my first reason why i run i think is because i've always i've always ran um i probably started running when i was about 12 i know i did because a bit like matt actually um it was school sports day it was a 200 meter race and i beat the fastest girl in the school and therefore i thought i was really good so went to the local club which was city of norwich athletics club and have been a runner ever since. So I guess it's just kind of inbuilt in me now. And secondly, I just really enjoy being outside. I'm a really outdoorsy kind of person. So for me, running is a bit of freedom. Um, it's such an easy sport to do. You can put on your shoes and go outside and just kind of go on a, a, a mini adventure and be out in the open. It's actually really hard to answer that question. But let me just say we do send our guests those five questions before so they get time to prep it so actually really funny I got into running for the exact same reason I had a school sports day I think I was in primary school but maybe year six so I would have been about 10 or 11 and I actually wasn't very good at sports at school even though I came from a really sporty family so my parents never pushed me into sports but anyway I lined up on the start starting line it was a 200 meter race which was back then your long distance race and I just ran I can't describe it I just ran and I won it by really quite far and my mum actually wasn't at that school sports day and she didn't believe me that I did win it by so far until one of the other parents showed her a photo so that's how I got into running as well which I think is quite amusing and I guess now I keep running because I can't describe the feeling when I run I just love it and there's nothing else like it Sometimes I do dread waking up early and getting out the door. But as soon as I'm out the door, I just love that feeling that running gives you. And obviously that post run high, but I just love it. And I feel like you're almost in a state of meditation. And it's like the one time of day where I can just forget about everything and just do something for me and not worry about all these worries that we've got going on in life. So yeah, I just love it. Are there ever times when you don't want to get out of bed early in the morning when it's cold and dark and go for your run? Yeah, there there are, of course. Especially okay, you're when human. It's Fine. Yeah, <laughs> I am human. But I have to say, as soon as I'm out the door and running, I forget about those reasons why I didn't want to run. And I just love the actual run. And I know that some people say that they love the run when they finish, but I actually just love the run when I'm running as well. Yeah, I actually read um, recently uh, Dean Carnassus, the guy that ran 50 marathons in 50 days. I'm reading his book and he said... People have asked him, you know, again, why he runs. And he said, I always feel better after I've been for a run. He said, sometimes I might not want to go for it, but I think of how I'll feel when I've come back from my run and that makes me go out for my run. And I guess that's what you were saying. And I agree with that as well. So there we have it. Another podcast ticked off. That's number nine now. We're really racking up these guests. We hope you're all still enjoying it. Um, we're loving speaking some, to some super inspiring people. Um, but that is it for episode nine. Thank you again for Matt for joining us. If you do want to get in touch with us, though, and recommend a guest or just um, give us some feedback on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram. I'm at Rachel double underscore Stringer. And I'm at Amana underscore Rye. And Matt is Matt dot runs. So thank you for listening this week and until next week, keep running.